everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. So Willy Wonka decided that he wanted to have five kids come and see the inside of his factory. Never been done before. And the way that he did it was he hid five golden tickets inside of, inside of five random candy bars and he sent them out across the world. If you opened a candy bar and you found a golden ticket, you got to go see Willy Wonka. There was an impoverished family. Uh, the grandparents, both sets, lived there. There's a mom, her son, Charlie. Charlie wanted so desperately to get one of those golden tickets. And his Grandpa Joe, man, did he know it. And so Grandpa Joe one day beckons him over. He says, hey, nobody knows I have this, which is saying something because if you've seen the movie, he sleeps in a bed with three other people all day long. So the fact that he can keep a secret is wonderful. He pulls out this purse and he hands him, it's a British story, he hands him uh, six pence. He says, "Go, go buy a chocolate bar and bring it back. We pick up that story in chapter 9, a, ti- a, a chapter titled, Grandpa Joe Takes a Gamble. Have you got it? Whispered Grandpa Joe, his eyes shining with excitement. Charlie nodded. He held out the bar of chocolate. Wonka's nutty crunch surprise, it said on the wrapper. Good, the old man whispered, sitting up in bed, rubbing his hands together. Now come over here, sit close to me, and we'll open it together. Are you ready? Yeah, said Charlie, I'm ready. All right, you, you tear the first bit. No, said Charlie, you paid for it, you do it all. The old man's fingers were trembling terribly as he fumbled with the wrapper. We don't have a hope, really, whispered the old man. We don't have a hope, you know that, don't you? Yeah, said Charlie, I know that. They looked at each other and both started giggling nervously. Mind you, said Grandpa Joe, there is just that tiny chance that it might be the one. Do you agree? Yes, said Charlie. Of course. Open it, Grandpa. All in good time, my boy, all in good time. Which end do you think I should open first? That corner, there, the one furthest from you. Tear off just a tiny bit, not not quite enough for us to see anything. Like that, said the old man. Yeah, now a little bit more. You finish it, said Grandpa Joe. I'm too nervous. No, Grandpa, you you must do it yourself. Very well then, here it goes. And he tore off the wrapper. And they both stared at what lay underneath. It was a bar of chocolate, nothing more. All at once, they both saw the funny side of the whole thing. They burst into peals of laughter. What on earth's going on? cried Grandma Josephine, waking up suddenly. Nothing, said Grandpa Joe. Go back to sleep. Pretty brutal way to find out that life is hard. This is a kid, a story that's, oh, it's one of my favorites. It just speaks so clearly to the human experience, but I think too to the kingdom of heaven experience. Chapter nine is is just this crushing blow. And you want so badly for Charlie, for something finally good to happen to him. And it just feels like life good things are hard to believe. And if you review even just our last couple years, man, it's, it's been a season of life in the world where, yeah, 
good things. They're hard to believe. If you've been a student this last year, you've had masks, you've had Zoom, you've had school, you've had masks, you've had Zoom masks, and more masks. I mean, just so many masks. If you've been in the newspapers, I mean, we've had everything from capital invasions to murder hornets, to shootings, to fires, to a war. And these things are not just hard in, in and of themselves. It would be one thing to see them externally, but I, I don't know if you came here today going, I, I just, I want to hear the story one more time because how hard the world is and how dark the world is, it's getting inside of me. It's affecting my mental health. And frankly, it's even getting its way into my soul. And I, I'm just struggling with frustration and doubt. It all makes hope and faith in something good that much more difficult. And frankly, even without pandemics and all this other stuff, it's just life. The older that you get, my experience continues to be, the harder it is to believe that good news is true. This last week, I was clearing out my junk email inbox, and you guys, I have fantastic news for you. I found out I'm friends with like five Saudi princes. It's amazing. <laughs> I also found out that if I can share my bank account information with this woman who I think lives in Virginia and pay for her $600 hospital bill, she'll include me in her will and I'll get 70 million next week. <laughs> Fantastic news. I showed my kids and my son Brogan right away was like, I should, he's just reading the email and his eyes just steadily got wider. He's like, this is the best thing in the world. And my middle son Deacon is walking behind the couch and he goes, what are you doing? And he goes, yeah, that's not real, Brogan. And Brogan's just crushed. Charlie Bucket, right? Like, goodness gracious. It's hard to believe good news. There's so much out there that even when you hear it at first blush, you go, ah, maybe, but probably not. Do you know what makes good news hard to believe? It's hope. That's what makes Charlie Bucket's candy bar worth reading about. We want so badly for it to work out with him because it reflects us. We want it to work out for ourselves. We want him to have something unbelievable because at our core, we're all yearning for something that is unbelievable even to ourselves. And we're here today to talk about a story that's pretty uh, unbelievable. It's hard to have hope that this story is possible. It's actually one of several stories that, is, it, that are all just so compelling, but also it feels like a Saudi prince type of a story. You gotta be kidding me. He was born of a virgin? He said he was God in the flesh. He said he never sinned. He walked on water. He healed the sick. He brought dead people back to life. He claimed that he could give anyone a fresh start if they would just trust him. And the thing that we celebrate today, that he came back from the dead, from, from a brutal death, and that unlike a Harry Potter or a Gandalf or a Jack Sparrow who come back in their stories only to die again, in this story he comes back to life and is still breathing? The story sounds hard to believe. And if we pick it up in the book of Matthew and hear his telling of this story, we get a little bit of a glimpse into, into exactly the words, exactly the story that's been shared now for 2,000 years. The story that, is there a golden ticket out there for me? Is there hope? What is it? Because the world's dark. It says this in Matthew 28. And this is in the message translation. After the Sabbath, as the first light of the new week dawned, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, come on ladies, came to keep vigil at the tomb. 
Suddenly, the earth reeled and rocked under their feet as God's angel came down from heaven right to where they were standing. He rolled back the stone, and then he sat on top of it. Shafts of lightning blazed from him. His garments shimmered snow white. The guards of the tomb were scared to death. They were so frightened they couldn't move. The angel spoke to the women. There is nothing to fear here. I know you're looking for Jesus, the one they nailed to the cross. He's not here. He was raised, just as he said. Come and look at the place where he was placed. Pause in the story. Because at this point, the women go into this hole in a rock. And they look around, and there was a, there was a table. It would have been chiseled into the side of this hill where he should have been. It should have been his body loosely wrapped. They were in a hurry. And all they find are wrappings. And they look everywhere just to see, did somebody move them around in here? That would have been totally common in this day and age. Maybe it was just tomb robbers or something. They don't see anything anywhere. And they come back out of the tomb. And the angel is still hanging out there. And the conversation continues. Now, get on your way quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. That's the message. The women deep in wonder and full of joy, lost no time in leaving the tomb. They ran to tell the disciples. Then Jesus met them, stopping them in their tracks and says one of the most theologically profound statements he ever said. Good morning. They fell to their knees. They embraced his feet. They worshiped him. And Jesus said, you're holding on to me for dear life. Don't be frightened like that. Go tell my brothers that they're to go to Galilee and that I'll meet them there. These ladies run back to this room where these men are just cowering in fear. They're totally disoriented. And I'm sure they're, they're blubbering, they're speaking over each other as people are when they're so excited about something unbelievable that they know is true. And these men, I'm, I'm sure the story started with, you're not gonna believe this, but. And by the time they get done to 11 nodding heads, they're nodding because they're going, you're right. We don't believe you. That's crazy what you're saying. People don't come back from the dead from that. It's impossible. And the, disorient, the disorientation continues. It sounds too good to be true. I mean, even if it had nothing to do with us, it's still pretty fantastic. He died, he came back to life, an angel came, started freaking out the bad guys, and then he's just walking around freely, this Jesus. But then there is this whole element that includes you and it includes me. This man claimed to be the only one who could take care of the darkness around us and in us. He also claimed that he would come back to life and that he would do the same for you, bring you back to life. If he's not nuts, either both of these things have to be true or nothing he said is. So a walking, talking, not dead version of Jesus ought to make us wonder, what was his promise to us? Why does it matter? Because of everything he said and did, he followed through on. It's worth listening to. And that's really the question of Easter, right? Does this matter to me? Does this actually change my day? I got a family dinner that we got to get ready for. We got some other stuff after that. We got to hide Easter eggs. Um, by the time my head hits the pill, I'm just going to be exhausted, you feel that? And I know if you're here, 
whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, there's just something inside of you that's right underneath the surface that's pushing through all of that going, there's got to be more. There's something out there, right? Is there a golden ticket somewhere for me? I think if we're going to understand how to engage this day and this resurrection, there's a couple other stories that we're going to need to know. And the first one is something that Paul in the book of Romans is going to point back to and he's going to say, if you want to understand the resurrection, you need to understand the story of a man who was also told some pretty unbelievable news. It was irrational, really. But he knew the one who was making the promise and so he trusted And that story, we have to go all the way back to the first book of the Bible. It's the book of Genesis. And in chapter 18, there's this man named Abraham. And man, does God really like Abraham. This is hundreds of years before Jesus is walking around on the earth as Jesus. And this God is watching Abraham and his wife. They don't have any kids. And y'all, they are in their hundreds of years old. Do we have anybody in their hundreds? Okay, so... There's a reason why there's not a lot of people in their hundreds here. That's old. And if you're watching at home and you're 100, you're old. (laughs) Also, the fact that you got this to work on Wi-Fi, you're amazing. (laughs) But you're not having babies, are you, 100-year-old people in the digital metaverse? No, because old people don't have babies. That's crazy. That's irrational. That's unbelievable. God says this in a conversation he's having with Abraham. He says, I will surely return to you in due season, Abraham, and your wife Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was listening in the tent behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women, a.k.a. she ain't having babies. So Sarah laughed to herself. I'm sure she did. After I've grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a son now that I'm old? And then this is the heart of this day. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you. And in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. And the story completely changes the trajectory of their life. I mean, essentially from here, they go straight to Babies Are Us, and they're buying the stroller, they're buying all the things. Their registry is full, their friends are coming over. It's wild. Right away, Abraham is just like, great, God said it, I'm in. It's it's gonna happen. God said it. We need a stroller. Like, he he just believed it. It's it's bonkers. Sarah chuckles, but as, as she continues to go along with it, I mean, there's just this sense that this family, when God comes to them and he says, I'm going to do something irrational, impossible, unbelievable, but I'm going to do it. Are you in? That they go, yes, go ducks on three. Like, they're, they're, you're just confident because God said so. So Paul, in the, in the book of Romans, now in the New Testament, after Jesus, is going to point back at this story of Abraham and Sarah. And he's going to say, if you want to understand Jesus' resurrection, if you want to know what this Easter Sunday is about, here's how you need to frame it. The book of Romans, chapter 4. He, Abraham, Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, I didn't say that. Folks at home, I'm sure you're doing great. Keep ticking. 
or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned him as righteousness. Okay, now this is where we go, into the resurrection. Now in the words it was reckoned to him, they were written not just for his sake, but for ours also. It will be reckoned to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification, a story that is almost unbelievable. This angel shows up to these two women at a tomb. He says, I, I, you're not going to believe this, but he's not here. Do you want to go check it out? And he gives them that moment where they go inside, they consider what's going on, they consider the source, they come back out, and there's just this moment where they're like, we're in. We believe. What happens next? It's this beautiful story where I think the God of the universe is saying, it's okay to check this out. It's okay to come look. It's okay, Abraham, for you to consider your source and go, well, if it's God who's saying it, I'm in. Ladies, it's okay for you to go into the tomb and come out and go, I'm in. It's okay even if you're in a spot in life right now where you're like, I just need to be in the cave. I haven't made up my mind yet. I get the source. I get that this says that God is saying it. I just need to explore it for myself. I would offer you this, and I think this is exactly what Paul is offering to when he looks at the resurrection. For thousands of years, since the dawn of time, the story of God over and over and over is a story that says, I'm gonna do things that are impossible and irrational and unbelievable and I will do them and follow through on them because I am God. Trust me. And this invitation is extended. Do you trust him? It's, it's an invitation from a welcome, smiling face. I mean, these women, as they explore this invitation, go, what's the source, what's going on? They're, they're in right away. Abraham is in right away. Jesus who God invited to obey him, to trust him, to do something unbelievable, irrational, impossible, Jesus is in. And the story is now offered to you in such a way to say, what say you about this? If, if you're in a spot where you're like, this, this Jesus has always interested me or maybe just is lately interesting me, this whole next series, we're just wrapping up a series this Sunday and starting next week, we're gonna be starting a series that'll take us through the end of November that's just looking at the book of Matthew, just looking at this person of Jesus, just taking some time to explore the inside of the tomb and go, what happened here? And then as we come back out to go, so what say you? I would invite you, if you wanna check out these claims of Jesus, this is a place where we're gonna be doing that for the next several months. The book of Willy Wonka continues. Uh, to, uh, the next chapter, chapter 10, is titled, The Family Begins to Starve. The next chapter, chapter 11, is called The Miracle. Right before this chapter, Charlie found a 50 pence piece in the snow. 
And he had a real big ethical dilemma on what he should do with it. And he decided he'd go buy a chocolate bar. Still not much hope. The tiniest chance. But I think at this point, he just wants a piece of chocolate. The edited version of this chapter, just edited down, same words, goes like this. Charlie entered the shop and laid the damp 50-pence piece on the counter. One Wonka's whipple scrumptious fudge mellow delight, he said, remembering how much he had loved the one he had on his birthday. Oh, the joy of being able to cram large pieces of something sweet and solid into a starving mouth. Take it easy, the shopkeeper said. It'll give you a tummy ache if you swallow it without chewing, but Charlie went on wolfing down the chocolate. I think, he said, I think I'll have just one more of those chocolate bars. The same kind as before, please. Why not, said the shopkeeper. Charlie picked up, picked up the, the bar and he tore the wrapper off. And suddenly, from underneath the wrapper, there came a flash of gold. Charlie's heart stood still. It's a golden ticket, screamed the shopkeeper, leaping about a foot up in the air. You got a golden ticket. Hey, would you believe it? Come look at this, everybody. This kid's found Wonka's last golden ticket. It's right here in his hands. In a few seconds, there was a crowd of about 20 people clustering around Charlie. Where is it? Someone shouted. Hold it up so we can all see. But Charlie hadn't moved. He hadn't even unwrapped the golden ticket from around the bar. He was just standing very still holding it as the shouting started all around him. He felt quite dizzy. There was a peculiar floating sensation coming all over him as if he were floating in the air like a balloon. Then he started to hear them. First, it was a tall man saying, hey, listen, I'll give you 50 pounds for it, followed by another woman saying, are you crazy? I'll give you 200. That's quite enough of that, said the shopkeeper. Leave the kid alone. Make a way for him. Let him out. And then, turning to Charlie with a whisper, he said, kid, don't let anyone have it. Take it straight home quickly before you lose it. Run all the way and don't stop till you get there. Charlie took off running through the snow as fast as his legs would go. And as he flew past Mr. Willy Wonka's factory, he turned and he waved at it and he sang out, I'll be seeing you. I'll be seeing you really soon. And five minutes later, he arrived at his house. His life changed forever, ever. Do you see the women in Charlie's story? These women who I think are inside the tomb, they hear the story of Jesus and as they start to unwrap it and realize what it is that they have, they take off at a dead sprint. Their life changed forever because there's an invitation and they said, I'm in, what's next? And then the, the best part of the whole thing happens. They don't just run straight to the disciples. Jesus himself shows up in their story and he says the most profound theological statement to them and to you. Hi, I've been waiting for you. And then only after being with Jesus are they really sent to go do anything else. It's a beautiful story. I'm gonna welcome out the band. Why is this day special? Why does it have anything to do with us? It's a day where we're reminded of God's promise. But maybe more than promise, God's promises. 
And maybe even more than that, not just his promises, but that his follow-through game is strong. He even follows through on the unbelievable, impossible, irrational things because he says so. And the story of Jesus walking out of a tomb, of not dying again, is just one more thing that if you don't think that that is irrational, you're not paying attention to the story. But could it be that there's something higher than the irrational, unbelievable, illogical? This story would look you in the face and with a smile say, yes, do you wanna know? What did Jesus promise? John 3.16 is always one of those where you go, you want to hear it in a sentence or two, this is it. Jesus promises that God loves you. He loves you so much that he was willing to give up his son so that you could live. You don't have to die. You don't have to experience death anymore. And it's not just talking about someday when you enter a grave. It's talking about today. You don't have to experience death anymore. You can have him and he is life. And in him there is life that is eternal. And that doesn't start when you die. That starts today. And it's irrational. And it's unbelievable. And it's true. And the God of the universe is saying, I've been in this business for a long time. If you find yourself on an Easter Sunday going, I'm just dying for a golden ticket. I'm dying for a fresh chance at life. I need something new to come in and blow up all this darkness that's around me. Oh, do I have a story for you. Happy Easter. It's the best story ever told. And even if you know it front and back, and even if you've never heard it before, continue to come back over these next several months and you will hear the story of a man that will captivate you. Let's stand and sing together as we celebrate what this day means.